Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Charles Neiman, Senior Pastor of Abundant Living Faith Center. Hello, everybody. Good evening. So glad to see you in church tonight. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us. And uh, what a joy it is for me to be able to come and share with you part two of this amazing series that we're calling Burn the White Flag. Man, have I got some great things to share with you tonight. Are you glad to be in the house of God tonight? Amen. You love God? Amen. Glad he's on your side. Hallelujah. I know you are. So let's get right into the word tonight. Are you ready? Join with me in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you in the next few moments to speak to us by your word and by your spirit. Bring truth, understanding, wisdom to our lives so that we can take your word and apply it to our lives in this very important area of living the life that you have given us to live. We open our hearts up to you. Speak to us now by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Good deal. All right, if you got your Bible with you tonight, open it with me once again to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. We're going to pick up on our foundation text. This is where we're beginning uh, this we op opened up here a couple of weeks ago, Luke 18, verse 1. Have you got it? Here we go. And he, Jesus, spoke a parable unto them, unto us, to this end, that men ought always to pray, look at it, and not to faint. That men ought always to pray. Let me just remind you again, we talked about this last time, that here Jesus brings out the importance that in our life and our walk with him and our life on the earth, that we have prayer as a part of our lives. Not just when all else has failed. Well, I guess we got to pray, you know, that kind of attitude. But that we get to that place where we are going to pray and prayer is a part of our lives, right? Always to pray. He didn't just say that men ought to pray, but always to pray. So the prayer is a part of our daily life. Amen? Wish I had more time to talk about that. We don't. Let's move on. And not to faint. So here, let me remind you once again. Here Jesus warns us. Now get ready. We're going to take off. All right? Here Jesus warns us that there is going to be pressure, temptation applied to our lives to try to get you and me, your family, my family, us as a church family, to what the King James text calls to faint. Now, you remember last time that that word faint there means, I'll give you all the definitions, means to turn out to be a coward. So Jesus said, I don't, I don't want you to be a coward in life. I don't want you to be a coward. It means to lose your courage. Now, these are all things we're going to talk about as we continue to go through this series, right? To be slothful in duty. We're going to talk about that. We talk about a certain nature or attitude that we need to have in our life, that we not be slothful in duty, all right? It means to lose soul or heart, right? To lose your soul. Your, your soul gets out of it. Your heart leaves your life, right? It means to grow weary. Now, in the literal text, if you could read what Jesus said, if you were standing there that day, he said, I will that, that you pray all the time and that you not throw in the towel, that you don't wave the white flag. 
Isn't that amazing that you don't throw in the towel and you don't wave the white flag? So here Jesus is warning us, me and you, that there's going to be a temptation placed upon us, a pressure placed upon us to do that very thing that in our life. And you remember I said to you last week that looking back over my 40 plus year walk with the Lord, I can remember this reoccurring theme to my life and very likely to your life too that, you know, on, on, on reoccurring times, Satan comes around to try to get me to wave the white flag, to throw in the towel, to lose my courage, to, God forbid, become a coward as a child of God. And so there's this pressure, this temptation placed upon us to do that very thing. Now, I said to you, I did some research last, last time, that white flag worldwide always signifies surrender or truce. It means whoever waves it, that they want to give up. And what's interesting is that no army or navy anywhere in the world, any nation goes to duty carrying a white flag with them. They don't, they don't, they don't carry one with them. No one goes to battle planning to surrender. All right, so we went through all this last week. We looked at a lot of things there, right? And we saw where even Satan tried in Luke, the fourth chapter, tried to get Jesus to surrender when he came to him in the temptations. Now, if you have your Bible, turn with me once again to Ephesians 6. All right, Ephesians, the sixth chapter. And this is uh, kind of like another foundation text, all right, that we're going to use a lot. and We're going to start referring back to this verse a lot. Here in Ephesians 6, Jesus is talking about our prayer armor, right? That we walk through life in our prayer life, uh, you know, focusing on our right standing, on faith, right? On, on having peace with God, truth, uh, you know, that, 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 that we, we, we have the shield of faith and that we, the helmet of salvation, that, that we, we're strong in the word of God, which is like the sword of the spirit. And then in verse 18, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Again, back to Luke 18, 1, that men ought always to pray. So here Paul says the same thing, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto. So I'm watching over my life, right? Watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. All perseverance. Now, this is a key word in our study, the word perseverance. Again, let me give you the definitions, right? The word perseverance means persistence in a course of action. Persistence in a course of action. Purpose, right? That you have purpose, all right? It means doggedness. Man, I like that. All right? Doggedness. It means resolute and unyielding, holding on. Resolute and unyielding, holding on in following a course of action. So I'm resolute and unyielding in holding on to, the, to a course of action. It means actively 
activity maintained, activity maintained in spite of difficulty, steadfast and long continued application. Now, the Charles Neiman definition of that is the word grit. All right? So here Jesus is saying that he wants us to be men and women of grit, that we not be ready to become cowards, we're not ready to throw in the towel, that we realize that pressure and temptation is going to be applied and may be being applied to your life right now as we're sitting here, right, East and West Campus on this Wednesday night, pressure being applied to our lives to wave the white flag. Say it with me. I'm not going to wave the white flag. Come on, I can't hear you. I'm not going to wave the white flag. Burn the white flag. Amen? Come on, give the Lord a great hand clap tonight. I'm going to burn the white flag in my life. All right? Now, there he is. Let me read you some, some things I wrote down uh, when, I was, when I was doing this outline, right? There is a cycle, as I said, a cycle in our lives of reoccurring pressure and or temptation to surrender, to surrender, to wave the white flag, to give up, to go back. A reoccurring pressure, temptation, listen, to settle for less than what God has put in your heart to have, what he has put in his word for you to, to enjoy, right? To settle for less. Listen to this. There is a reoccurring pressure, pressure, temptation in our lives to learn to live with mediocrity, to be satisfied with mediocrity. Now, if you don't know what mediocrity means, I'm going to tell you what it means, all right? The dictionary defines mediocrity as being ordinary. So there's a pressure being applied to our lives as children of God to live ordinary lives. Not significant lives like James said in James 1, right? That God has called us to live lives of significance, but instead to live ordinary lives. I wonder how many of us tonight are accepting ordinary. And God forbid, I pray tonight that you are not teaching ordinary to your children. Can I hear a good amen tonight, right? That we're not telling them ordinary is good enough. All right, let's continue, right? The word mediocrity also means neither good nor bad. Wow, right? Neither good nor bad, right? You live a life that's neither good nor bad. Neither one, right? Neither good nor bad. It means barely adequate. Well, how you doing, man? Well, you know, I'm barely, really? Now, please hear me tonight. I'm not being judgmental. I'm not being critical. I'm not finding fault with people. I'm just telling you that Jesus did not come to give you a barely adequate life, right? A life of barely making it. That's not what he intends for you or for me. Amen? That's never what he intended, that we live a barely adequate life. And I, I don't want us to accept that. Let's continue. That word mediocrity also means average. An average life. Listen to this. Commonplace. Oh, there's so much pressure placed upon us, right? To accept commonplace life. Commonplace life. How's your marriage doing? Well, you know, I guess it's as good as anybody else's. Really? That's good enough for you. Huh? How's the school your kids go to? Well, you know, I don't know. It seems to be pretty ordinary. Wow. 
Why are we willing to accept ordinary, especially when Jesus said in John 10, 10, I'm come that you might have life, say it with me, and life more abundantly. I'm going to tell you something right now. Jesus did not come to give me or you life more ordinary. That's not why he came. That's not what he came to do. That's not what he has for you or for me or my family or your family or us as a church family. That we live life more ordinary. Can I be very blunt with you tonight? You need to make this personal. You need to make it personal. You need to make it personal that Jesus came to give you abundant life. A better life than you ever dreamed of. A life that is anything but ordinary and commonplace and barely adequate. And we need to reject that. And you need to bring that verse, John 10, 10, and let it brand itself in your consciousness. Amen? And you need to take it to yourself personally and say, no way. Me, my family, we are not going to be content with ordinary commonplace, barely barely adequate. We're not going to wave the white flag. We're not going to surrender. We're not going to cave in, and we're not going to turn out to be cowards. Can I hear a good amen tonight? That is not what God has called us to have. It's not what Jesus came to give us. But you have to make it personal. You have to pull this attitude, this spirit into your heart. And let me tell you, It may be hard. It may be difficult. And let me tell you why. Don't get mad at me now. huh? It may be hard coming from your family. It may be hard. A lot of families are taught. It is a part of their flow as a family to be happy with ordinary, not to make waves, to be content, to be satisfied with barely adequate And we're taught that. We've even been taught that that is what God wants for you. But it's not. Jesus did not come to give us life and life barely adequate. He did not come to give us life and life more mediocre. Amen? So tonight I want you, if you haven't, I want you to make this personal. I want you to see John 10, 10, the abundant life that Jesus came to give you and bring it in and make up your mind. As for me and my family, we're not going back to ordinary. We're not going back to commonplace. We're not going back to barely get by. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a great hand clap for that tonight. We're not going back to it. All right. Here in Ephesians 6, he talks about perseverance, doggedness, right? Or grit. You know, I, I, I like that word grit. I think, that's a, I think that's a good word, and I think it's a good Texas word. Amen? Grit. That you have grit in your life. You know, I, I did some research. I looked up the word grit. Let me give you all the definitions of it, okay? I think you'll like this, okay? Because I want to focus on developing in us more grit, more perseverance, more doggedness. You know, the researchers tell us that perseverance, doggedness, grit 
is something you can install in you. It's not like a gift. It is something you choose to have and you can have it in you. You can develop it in you. You can develop it in your children. Did you hear what I just said to you? You can teach this and instill it into your children to where they're not waving the white flag, to where they're not uh, sitting over in the corner crybabying for themselves. Come on, let's tell the truth today. Amen? I don't want to raise children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren that are always whining and crying and feeling sorry for them. Well, it's not anything. I'll stop it. Get you some grit. Amen? Get you some grit. Get in the game. Fight the good fight. Don't wave, don't wave the white flag. Burn the white flag. And get that mentality out of your house and out of your family. Amen? So the word grit, listen to this. I'll give you all the definitions. Are you glad you came tonight? It's good, huh? Means the following. First, it means grit means firmness of character. Firmness of character, like that. Indomitable spirit. A spirit in you that just will not be conquered. Amen? Burn the white flag. It means resolution. You have, you're resolute. It means fortitude. Listen to these words. It just goes on and on. Courage. Resolve. Listen to this one. Backbone. Yeah. Right? Backbone. Metal. M-E-T-T-L-E. You got metal to you. Spirit. Strength of will, strength of will, strength of will. You know, you can strengthen your will. You can strengthen it. Well, I just can't say no to chocolate cupcakes. Yeah, you can't. You can if you may. If you make up your mind, you can't. If you want to, right? Amen. Strength of will. Listen to this. Toughness. Ooh, you know I like that buttercup, huh? Got to toughen up, buttercup. All this time, you didn't know I was being scriptural when I told you that. Isn't that great? Huh? The word grit means determination. Determination. Tenacity. Endurance. You know what the synonym is in the dictionary for grit? Are you ready? Guts. Mm. You have guts. You got some intestinal strength. Strength of character. You got a toughness to your life, right? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not waving the white flag. I'm burning the white flag, all right? Now, if you have your Bible with you now, let me show you some things. We're going to start building now. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Now, we're going to look at three verses here, all right? Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Have you got it? Here we go. The writer says, wherefore, seeing we also, is that we, we that are in our campuses tonight, in our sanctuaries tonight? Huh? How about you west, west side, east side, amen? Are we that we? Yes, we are that we, right? That's us. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, what he's talking about there is that we have people that whose lives testify, witnesses testify, their lives testify to how you can live. And the people he's referring to are the people he listed and he talked about in chapter 11, 
right, where he goes by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. He talks about Moses and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob, and he talks about Samson and Barak and Jehoshaphat and David and Samuel, and he talked about uh, people who quench the fire. Look at it there in verse 34. Quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead race to life again. Uh, people were, 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 were willing to, to, to turn down uh, deliverance and accepted torture instead of rejecting and, and compromising and waving the white flag. And he talks about that we have these people that we are surrounded with this long line of witnesses that testify to us of the power of the word and the power of faith and the power of guts and grit and determination and passion in our lives that, and, the, and, the, and the substance of perseverance that we're not going to cave in. We're not going to throw in the towel. We're not going to become cowards. Amen. All right, so we have this cloud of witnesses. Then he says to us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, watch, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, all of us are running in this race called life. We are all in this race. Now, we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 24, that we are to run the race to obtain the prize. Are you connecting the dots here, right? So he says, let us all run the race to obtain the prize in Corinthians. And here he says that as we run the race... To obtain the prize, let us run it with patience. Okay, so we run the race to obtain the prize, and we run this race with patience. So all of us are in the race. But this we also know, that there is temptation, pressure applied to get us to quit. To get us to quit the race. Now, what do I mean by the race? Right? To quit on life. To give up. To just sit back and let what life gives us happen. Instead of going out and, and, and fighting to obtain what the life that God wants us to have. Okay? We also, there is pressure applied to us to get us to quit to where we, we stay in the race, but we don't run to obtain the prize. We become happy with just finishing. We become, we, we become content with just getting across the finish line someday by and by. So we accept that kind of thinking. Now I'm going to say to you again, God has told us, warned us, that he does not want us to live our life barely adequate. Ready to just take whatever comes. To be happy to just finish. And let me say, there's a lot of that attitude in our culture today. A lot of that in our society today. Right? 
that everybody's a winner. No, everybody's not a winner. Let's quit lying. Let's quit lying to ourselves. Let's quit lying to our children. All right? We can win, but there is an effort that comes, and it's going to require passion and perseverance. Passion and perseverance. Huh? It's going to require discipline and determination to obtain the prize and a determination before you ever start the race or if you are in the race that there is no white flag in your pocket, right? I know it's going to get hard. I know it's going to be difficult at times, but there's no white flag. I'm not, I'm not carrying a white flag. In fact, I burned the white flag some distance back. Amen. How many of you agree with me tonight, right? Amen. All right. So there's this pressure applied to us. Let me say it again. To try to get us to quit or to not run to obtain. To just run, but not run to obtain. So I ask you tonight, how are you running? Are you running to obtain? If you're not, let's start tonight. Come on, let's renew your mind to it tonight. Starting right here, right now, you're going to run to obtain. You're going to run to obtain the prize. You're not going to be content with just, well, I'm just happy to be here. Huh? We're going to run to obtain the prize. Now, let's look at this word patience, right? He says, let us run the race with patience. So patience is a part, right, of finishing and obtaining the prize. So let me give you the dictionary definition. The word patience means endurance. All right, endurance. So as I get into this race, and as I'm running this race, I need to remind myself that that this is an endurance race. It's not a sprint. It's not over in a week, right, not over in a day. It's going to require endurance. Do you know that endurance, again, the researchers tell us, is not you're not gifted with endurance. You desire it and you develop it in you. Just like perseverance. Just like grit. Right? You develop it in you. I love this. Hmm? Endurance. It means to bear up under. So as I'm running the race, I'm going to have to accept in my mind that at times this race is not easy. At times, you know, in my life and in relationships and in career, in health and raising kids, whatever it is, right, building a great church, at times I'm going to have to bear up under, right? I'm going to have to bear up under it. I'm going to have to bear up under the, the disappointment. I'm going to have to bear up under the, the negativity. I'm going to have to bear up under the betrayal. I'm going to have to bear up under the lying. I'm going to have to bear up under the pressure. I'm going to have to bear up. And bear up I am. Did you hear that? I'm going to bear up. Why? Because I have burned the white flag. How about you? Say it with me. I have burned the white flag. So I'm going to bear up. I'm going to get in this race, and I know as I'm in this race, there are times when I'm going to have to bear up under it. And I have to. Bible tells me that. I'll be shocked by it. Let's continue. Right? 
means, it means uh, that quality of character. Remember we talked about character earlier? That was one of the definitions of the word grit, right? Character, strength of character, right? So I'm going to have this. So patience is that quality of character. Love this. Which does not allow you to surrender. Here's my white flag. I surrender. I quit. I quit. I, I can't do this. I quit. I surrender. Okay, we'll come back to that later, right? Which does not allow you, that quality of character, which does not allow you to surrender to circumstances or succumb under a trial. Let me read it to you again. That quality of character. Now, character is not a gift. Character is something you develop. Character comes from you seeing the value of, of a certain character trait and you want it and you bring it into your life. You decide, this is now me. This is who I'm going to be. All right, that quality of character, which does not allow you to surrender to circumstances or succumb under a trial. So this is a quality that comes out of the inside of you that you have put into you because you have decided, I'm not going to surrender. I'm going to burn the white flag. I'm not going to cave in. I'm not going to become a coward. I'm going to have the life God wants me to have. I'm going to bear up under this pressure. I'm going to get through it. I'm going to come out the other side. Amen. Right? And surrendering is not a part of my life. Succumbing to the pressure of the trial is not a part of my life. I'm going to get through it. I'm going to come out the other side. Right? I'm going to fight through it. It also means the bearing of evils with a tranquil mind. Okay, we'll come back to that later. The bearing of evils with a tranquil mind. Right? Yeah, this is going on. That's all right. It's okay. I'm going to come out. That's all right. It's okay. God's going to make a way for me. I do know that. I don't know where. I don't know how, exactly how this is all going to end, but I know this. They're not going to find me over here in the corner sucking my thumb, feeling sorry for myself, covered up under a white flag. That's not where I'm going. I'm a child of God. Huh? How about you? Say with me, I am a child of God. Amen? Now, let me show you some other verses here. All right? Luke, keep, keep your finger there in Hebrews. But in Luke 8, Jesus uses this, the word patience, in a very interesting context. He's talking about how the word comes into our lives, Right? And he, and he brings this out, right? And he says, but these are they were, that were sown on good ground, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. So patience is an integral part of bearing fruit, the word bearing fruit in my life, right? So there's going to be pressure applied to me when the word is sown, to give up before the fruit is birthed. Oh my gosh. Huh? I wonder how many harvests have been missed by children of God because they caved in underneath the pressure before the harvest came to them, right? It's incredible. All right, now go with me down to verse 2. Jesus writing, I mean, he keeps, keeps speaking to us. He says, looking unto Jesus. So I run the race with patience, Refusing to surrender, not going to cave in, 
looking unto Jesus. The word looking there is a very good, beautiful word. It means fix your mind. So fix your mind on him. Fix your mind on him. Now watch. The author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, and what does joy bring us? Nehemiah 8.10 brings us strength. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The word endured and the word patience. The word endured in verse 2 and the word patience in verse 1 come from the same root word. All right? So endured the cross, you could say, had patience, right? Patience carried him through the cross. How many of you know Jesus did not surrender, right? The devil tried to get him to walk away from the cross. He went through it. He didn't surrender to the fear and the terror of it or the pain of it. He fought through it. How many of you are glad for that? Amen. So he endured the cross, right? Watch this. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Now, I want you to notice this. The word despising means he held in contempt the reproach. He held in contempt the reproach. You know what's interesting, right? I want you to think about this. Oftentimes, as you're going forward in your walk with God, as you're going forward to have the life God wants you to have, as you're going forward, right, and you're fighting through temptations, tests, and trials, and all the other stuff that, you know, comes down the road, right, uh, sometimes people hold you in contempt. They make fun of you. They mock you. They did Jesus. Remember the Pharisees? Come down and then we'll believe. You know, you, you, you can heal the sick, but you can't get yourself off the ground. Right, the contempt. And you know what? He despised that contempt. He did not allow that contempt to cause him to want to surrender. You know, oftentimes in life, you've just got to fight through the negative attitude that people have towards you. And you can't, you can't be afraid of their attitude. You've got to hold their attitude in contempt. You know what? I don't care what you think of me. Me and my family are going over here. Amen. Amen. I don't care what you call me. I don't care what you think. I'm not, I'm not worried about your opinion. I hold that opinion in contempt. Now, I don't suggest you say that to them, but you say it to yourself. Okay? So that's what Jesus did. Right? Verse 3. For consider him. So he said, bring this into consideration in your life. Him, for consider him that endured, he endured, watch this, contradiction of sinners against himself. You know, that happens to us. The word contradiction means reproach. Reproach is to find fault with the idea of bringing shame. You know, people will bring fault, will find fault with your life to shame you. Man, I've had them do that to me over these years. Critics in downtown, you know, people, that, you know, just whatever. God bless them, whatever, you know. But they, they just come with the intention of falling, finding fault so they can embarrass me. But you know what you have to do? you got to keep your endurance. you got to keep your commitment. you got to say, you know what, I'm not surrendering to this. It doesn't really matter what they think because you know what? I'm not looking unto them. I'm looking unto him. They're not my example. Jesus is my example. And you know what? Oftentimes the people that have achieved the least in life are the most critical of those that are trying to do something more than they did. So you know what? If, 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 if valuing their opinion means i got to go live where they live, well, then I'm not going to value their opinion. In fact, I'm going to hold their opinion in contempt and I'm going to go for the life that Jesus has lived in front of me. Come on, give the Lord a great hand clap for that tonight. Amen. Now, real quick, because we're running out of time, right? Look what he said. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. You know, they didn't get what he was trying to do. 
a lot of times people won't get what you're trying to do. They, they, they won't get what kind of marriage you're trying to build. They don't get what kind of kids you're trying to raise. They don't get why your priorities have changed since you become a child of God, since you start coming to church. They don't get it. They don't get it, right? And he said, and watch out, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Lest you be wearied. So Jesus did not get worried and faint in his mind, but he's saying to us here that he was tempted to, but he showed us how he did it. We just saw how he did it, right? How, how, how he set himself up. The word wearied there means faint-hearted, right? That we become faint-hearted, weak, feeble, to have it badly. Well, I've got it so bad, it's so bad. Bad. You got to fight that. You got to fight that temptation, right? You got to gird your mind up, right? To grow impatient or dissatisfied. Listen to this. It means to crumble or to break down. So this is the pressure, right? The pressure being applied to us to become faint-hearted, right? To become weak, to become feeble. This is too hard, Charles. I can't do it, right? To have it badly. Nobody's ever had it as bad as me. This is the worst it's ever been. Yeah, I know. I know. I know all that. I've been there. But you got to make up your mind. There is no white flag to burn, to, to, to wave. To grow impatient or dissatisfied, to crumble, to break down. The word faint means to cease to be able. So you were able, but now you're not able. Wow. Wow. The word faint means to become a coward. That's not you. That's not me. Here's a thought for you. Here's a thought that I figured out in my life in the last couple of seconds. Here it is for you. All right, what if I surrender? What if I surrender? What if I surrender to Satan? What if I surrender to my circumstance? What if I surrender to the world's pressure? Huh? Here's the question. If I do, is my life going to get better? If I surrender and say, I can't take this anymore, I can't do this anymore, are the tests and trials going to go away? Is the problem going to go away? No, it's not. So surrendering is not going to make your life better. You know what you need to do? you got to keep showing up. You've got to have and make up your mind that you have a never give up attitude. I'm not giving up. No, I am a man. I'm a child of God driven by passion and perseverance. Amen. Stand to your feet with me tonight. If you learned something good, would you give the Lord a great hand clap tonight? Amen. Lift your hands towards heaven. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you tonight. I thank you for speaking to us. I thank you for the example of Jesus in our lives. And tonight, Lord, we as men and women, as families, we take into our lives that we are not cowards. We are not going to cave in. We are not going to burn the white flag. And even if, I mean, we are not going to wave the white flag. We're going to burn the white flag. And Lord, what are we going to surrender to? Even if we said, I quit. Life isn't going to get better. Life's only going to get better because we endure with patience. We fight through. Give us that strength. In Jesus' name, say it with me. I burn the white flag. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. 
For information on teaching material or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com.